Well, let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter number 8. And we are, as you've heard already in our service, wrapping up this series today. This being the 10th week. We started this series all the way back in September. We wrap it up today. And really the series that we've entitled Champion has been geared to us learning for those of us who maybe are either young in our faith in Christ or maybe have even come to Jesus Christ in, the, in this series and there are those of you that, that would fall into that category and we're so thankful that you have begun your journey with Jesus Christ here in these last couple months. And, and so maybe as we've delved into these verses, walking verse by verse in this chapter, you've learned for the first time who you are and what you've been given in Jesus Christ. Maybe others of us, we've been reminded in a fresh and a new way, that there's, a, there's a, a vigor inside of us that maybe had grown stale a bit, and we've been reminded of who we are and what we've been given in Jesus Christ. Others of us, maybe we've even been convicted of some things that we have, we have run after, and, and in this series, we've seen that those things are nothing but counterfeits to, to the reality of the blessed gift that we've been given through our Savior Jesus Christ, salvation and our identity in Christ and, and our inheritance in Christ, and, and maybe that's you. And I think all of us could say that we've been encouraged in some way or another from God's Word who we are and what we've been given in Jesus Christ and really being reminded of how God sees you and me. I mean, it ought to blow your mind every time you think about the amazing reality that God sees you even in the midst of your sin, that God sees me even in the midst of my sin and my struggles from day to day, that God sees me through the perfection of Jesus Christ and he sees me as a champion in Jesus. And what an awesome thing that that is. And as we've walked verse by verse through Romans 8 and we've seen that reality stated in different ways and what we've been given through the Holy Spirit and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and and, and being reminded of how God sees us, that in reminding ourselves of how God sees us, the the conclusion or the results of that is, is hopefully we'll see our circumstances in a new way. We'll see those things that are difficult that we're walking through, but we'll see them with a victorious perspective rather than a victim's perspective. And that's really what we've been striving for as we've walked through these amazing verses. Last week we looked at Genesis 30, or Genesis, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 34, and looking at this, just this struggle that we have of how our feelings so often butt up and challenge our faith. And how it's so easy for us to take what we feel and to approach our circumstances by the way that we feel rather than the facts of who we are. And really this morning is to continue in verses 35 through 39 this idea that we, we shared last week. And it was this, that champions in Christ look to the facts of their faith rather than the fickleness of their feelings. Because isn't that you and isn't that me so often? I mean, let's just embrace the reality that our feelings are going to question our faith. And feelings are a good thing. They're God-given. God has given us emotions. It would be a miserable life if we did not have any sort of emotion, right? 
And so we're thankful for those feelings. But have you ever heard this phrase? Feelings are good as long as they're not in the driver's seat. You hear that before? And so in those times when our feelings question our faith, and they are going to, how do we react? And really, that's what we began answering as we looked at verses 31 through 34, and we will finish that out this morning in verses 35 through 39. And if you remember, we gave three questions that we need to ask ourselves when our feelings challenge our faith. And the first one was this. We need to ask ourselves in those times, and they're going to come, we need to ask ourselves, first of all, hey, who is for me? Let me remind myself who is for me. Let me ask myself that question because God's word is given the answer. And verse 31 gave us the answer, did it not? That when I ask who is for me, that I ought to respond if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, according to verse 31 of chapter 8, God is for me. Because it says it there in verse 31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And remember we touched on how in the original language it literally means, since God is for us, who can be against us? And how even in the significance of the way that that, the idea that that gives, that it's not really an if, it's since, that in those times when our feelings want to bring up questions to our faith, that God has given us promises to those questions. And those promises are based on a conclusion. That because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, it's not a matter of if God is for me, but it's a matter of since God is for me, who can be against me? And asking ourselves in those times when our, quest, when our feelings want to question and challenge our faith, wait a minute, let me ask myself, who is for me? And let me respond according to what God's word says, God is for me. Remember the second question? How do I know God is for me? Like, how do I know that? What evidence has God given to back up that reality in verse 31 that God is for me? And remember, we, we looked at these, verse 32, we looked at this reality. It's found in verse 32 that the reason why I can know that God is for me is because God gave me his best. And his best is Jesus. God gave me his absolute best. Why will he not also graciously give us all things as verse 32 says? We also looked at this idea and I know God is for me because God not only gave me his best, but he forgave me of my worst. Your worst sin. The sins you don't even want to mention out loud. The sins that the enemy loves to bring up and say, ah, God didn't forgive you of that. Man, I go back to verse 33 when those feelings want to question my faith. And I say, man, I know God is for me because God forgave me of my worst. God is the judge. He declared me innocent. There's no higher court of appeal. God has forgiven me of my worst. And then remember we looked at verse 34, that man, I bring myself back to when my feelings want to question and challenge my faith. Let me remind myself, you know why I know God is for me? Because Jesus Christ is my champion. He died. He rose again. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, showing that his work for me is done. And he's interceding on my behalf. He's praying for strength on my behalf. He identifies with every struggle and pain and circumstance that I go through. That I don't need to doubt that God is for me. And we shared how every morning we need to wake up as a follower of Jesus Christ and bring ourselves back to when we get into God's word and say to ourselves every morning, Hey, God is for me. 
I am a champion, and how we have a belt of truth. It's found in God's word. We see it in Romans chapter eight, that Romans chapter eight is our belt of truth. And every day we need to put it on and remind ourselves every day that we walk out of our house and face the day that we are a champion in Jesus Christ because of the love that God has given us. And so here's what I want us to do as we close out this series. In verses 35 through 39, is I want you right now to think of those worries that you came in with this morning. Say, I don't want to think about them. No, just, what did you come in here this morning with that you're worried about? What did you come in here this morning that you're fearful of? What did you come in here this morning that you're doubting God about? What did you come in this morning in the pain? What's the pain that you've come into these doors this morning with? What's even the tragedy that you're trying to navigate through this morning? Whatever it is, Whatever anxiety, I want you to take that and I'm going to pray this morning and I want us to take those things and take them to this passage of Scripture and let's let God speak the facts of our faith to what we're struggling with. Would you pray with me as I pray out loud? God, I pray today for every person in this room for every person that will listen to this online, for every person that will watch it. God, that we would look to your word to define who we are, not what we feel. God, we're thankful for feelings. We're thankful for emotions. But God, so often the enemy wants to use those emotions to get us to doubt who you are. And God, we've walked verse by verse through this chapter so that we are reminded once again, learn for the first time, who we are in Jesus Christ, our champion. So let's take those things, God. Let's lay them before you. Let's allow you to speak to them because, God, we have a promise that when your word is open, your mouth is open. So, God, we're ready, we're ready to allow you to speak to whatever we came in here with. And it's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray. Amen. That second question that we introduced last week, how do I know God is for me? Remember, just shared with you. Well, the reason why I can know that is God gave me his best. He forgave me of my worst. Jesus Christ is my champion. But in verse 35, I see another reason why you and I can know that God is for us. And I want to share it with you. Here it is, that God loves you with a supernatural love. Like that God just doesn't love you and love me, but he loves you and me with a supernatural love. A supernatural love. We see that in verses 35 and 36, and here's why it's supernatural. Look at verse 35. Paul asks another question that we probably all asked. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? But he know that he's asking it in a rhetorical way because we know the answer according to God's word. We may not always know the answer if we base that on our feelings, but we know the answer based on the facts of what God's word says. And Paul just simply says, hey, let me remind you, let me ask you this question to drive home this point that God's supernatural love always embraces you. It never lets you go. Because if there was a threat of separation, 
in regard to God's love for me, then it wouldn't be supernatural, would it? I mean, you and I love a certain way. We're committed in Scripture to love our wives a certain way, husbands. In Ephesians 5, and, and, and we're commanded to, to love others the way that Christ loved us. But let's be honest, we fail in that. But God's love is supernatural in the sense that it always, key word always, if you're taking notes, always embraces you. Or it wouldn't be supernatural. And I love how Scripture interprets Scripture. I remember being told that when I was in college and by one of my professors and saying, hey, Scripture always interprets Scripture. And so when I look at the question that the Holy Spirit poses through Paul to drive home the reality that God's supernatural love is always going to embrace me, it's never going to let go. When I look at that question, who shall separate me from the love of Christ, I think of a passage of Scripture that Jesus shares in John 10, 27 through 29. You can turn there if you want. I encourage you to at least write John 10, 27 through 29 in the margin next to Romans 8, 35. Let me read it for you and listen to what it says. Look at, listen to what Jesus says. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Like I know who are mine. He says in verse 28, I gave them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Do you already see there like that Jesus is backing up what we read in Romans 8, 35? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? When my feelings want to ask that, I can go back and say nothing. Why? Because I know Jesus says that Jesus gave me eternal life and I will never perish if I put my faith and trust in him. And no one is going to snatch me out of Jesus' hand. Like Jesus could have stopped right there and wouldn't that have been enough? Wouldn't it have been? Like Jesus, I'm sold. Like nobody's going to take you out of, take me out of your hand. But Jesus knows that sometimes we struggle in really believing what he says, so he enforces it even to a greater way. Look at what he says in verse 29. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. Like, I just don't have you in my hand. But the father gave you to me. We looked at that in Romans 8, 29 and 30. And he's greater than all. And look at what he says and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Do you see the significance of that? Like maybe you never saw that before. We all know the verse that no one's able to pluck, depending on your translation and what you grew up with, no one's able to pluck me out of my Father's hand. But did you see that not only is it that I'm in God's hand, I'm also in Jesus' hand. Have you ever seen one of those at, at like action-adventure movies? You know, they're horribly unrealistic, but I love them, right? You remember like, like someone's falling out of a helicopter or an airplane or off a cliff, and what happens? Someone comes by and like swoops down and grabs that person's hand right before they fall to their death. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like you're like on the edge of your seat, and you're like, are they going to hold them up? Or are they going to drop to their death? And then all of a sudden, like they're hanging on like by now by fingers, and then all of a sudden, they have enough strength, and what do they do? They get their other hand... And now you're like, okay, they're going to be okay. Why? Because now that person has that person that was falling, not just by one hand, but by two hands. 
And I love how Jesus emphasizes our security and that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. When I look at Romans 8, 35, and I see that question, I look at what Jesus said in John 10 and see the way that Scripture interprets Scripture. Man, I can say with confidence that nothing's going to separate me from the love of Christ. Why? Because I'm not just in Jesus' hand. I'm also in God the Father's hand. And so I'm not just held by one hand. I'm held by two hands. And nothing is going to tear me away from God's love. God's love always embraces me, and it always embraces you. Now, Paul's going to give some scenarios just to emphasize the reality that God's love always embraces us. Look at what he says. He says, so tribulation or distress or persecution. You know what that reminds me of? About God's supernatural love? Not just that it always embraces me, but God's supernatural love always fights for me. And it always fights for you. God is fighting for you. God has fought for you through Jesus Christ. And he's won your greatest battle. And so remember when I told you, hey, think about the worries, think about the fears, think about the doubts, think about the tragedies, think about whatever it is that you've come in these doors with. I want you to put those things Right there in Romans 8.35. What's your tribulation? What's your distress? Where are you feeling persecuted in some way or another? Write them down. Make God's word personal. It's one of the greatest things that I can ever tell you that when you read God's word, make it personal. It's God's word to you. So write them out. What's the tribulation? What's the distress? What's the persecution? What are those things that are wanting you to question that you actually can be separated from God's love? What are the things that are causing you to question God's supernatural love for you? What are the things that are causing you to question that God's love will always embrace you? What are the things that are causing you to question that God will always fight for you? Write them out. Because what I've found in my life, and I'm sure you can testify it as well, and there's people in here who have gone through darker things than I would ever hope to go through. And I've seen it in your lives. That that hardship that you've walked through or are walking through, that no one desires it, nobody longs for it. But when it happens, it's actually, it's not to cause you to doubt your confidence in Christ, but it actually strengthens it. Because what hardship does is it literally forces us many times to let go of the things that we've been holding on to for security and those things now are removed by those hardships but in the things being removed you know what it does it causes our arms to be free in such a way that we can hold our Jesus that much tighter so we can understand that much greater that our God's supernatural love is fighting for us And so many of us doubt that that's the case. And I believe we doubt that that's the case because we define God fighting for us in wrong terms. We define God fighting for us as that, well, God's not fighting for my stuff. My stuff is gone. But remember what we said a few weeks ago? Man, don't put God in a temporal box. It's dangerous to put temporal restrictions on God's promises because God's 
after so much more than you keep in your stuff. God is after what we saw in Romans 8, 29. He's after you being conformed to the image of his son. He's after you growing deeper and wider in who you are and what you've been given in Jesus Christ. And I know this is true. You could say it, and I know I could say it in my life. Though I don't long for hardships, though I don't necessarily desire them, what I've found is those things cause me to understand in a greater way how much God loves me. And that my God is fighting for me when I don't have the strength to fight on my own. Look at what else it says. Not just shall tribulation or distress or persecution, like Paul's throwing out all these scenarios. He's painting with a broad brush. He's not leaving anybody out of the crowd. He says, well, what about famine or nakedness? Like can famine or nakedness separate me from God's love? Can the question of how am I going to provide for my family cause me to question God's love? Is that going to challenge the facts of my faith? Or whether or not I'll have enough because I've lost my job, is that going to cause me to challenge the facts of my faith? Because what I see in that is Paul's just emphasizing God's supernatural love not only always embraces me, always fights for me, but it also always provides for me. You know what I've found about my life? Like, this is me talking about my life. That every time that I'm faced with the opportunity, and I say opportunity just to help my mind, trial, that causes me to wonder, is God going to meet this need? You know what? You know what the battle I always face is? God, I know that you've met all those needs in the past, but this one's different. Anybody else like that? Yeah, God, I know you did that, and I know you did that, and I know you came through this way, and I know you came through this way, but God, this is different. Like, like I'm not sure about this one. When I look at Paul giving all those scenarios, shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, and it reminds me, no, 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 I know that God will always provide for my needs. And in those times where my feelings want to challenge the facts of my faith and believing that reality, here's what I need to do practically. And I've had to do it in the past. I get out my journal or get out a piece of paper and I just start writing down all the ways that God's provided for me in the past. I remember that last year. I would have loved to God provide the first day I prayed about it, but that didn't happen. But God provided. And I just need to start writing out all those things. You know why? Because I need to bring myself back to the reality that God is for me. He gave me his best. He forgave me at my worst. Jesus is my champion, and he loves me with a supernatural love. And let me never doubt that God's not always going to provide for me. And in those times, we just need to get practical and start writing out all the ways that God's provided for us because our feelings are going to cause us to question the facts of our faith. What else does Paul say here? Look at what he says. And then he says, or danger or sword. Now, praise God, we live in a country that has the freedom to worship Jesus Christ. 
So when we look at these, it's hard for us to re- that to resonate with us. But remind, let's remind ourselves of the audience in which Paul is writing to. He's writing to a church that's in Rome that's being persecuted every single day. He's writing to a church that has to deal with the Emperor Nero who loves to put Christians on torches to light his courtyard. And Paul's giving hope to those people to keep going on. And I don't say that to minimize our pain this morning or our struggles this morning or our fear or our doubts or our worries this morning. Don't get me wrong in that. When I look at when Paul questions and says, is danger or sword going to separate us from Christ's love? It just reminds me of this reality. God's supernatural love always protects you. And it always protects me. Because I have a promise in whether this day is my last day. And God forbid I drive home and I get in a car accident and God takes my life. I have protection because I know that I'm going to be with Jesus. And my family knows that they're going to see me again. So God's supernatural love protects me. Danger or sword, doesn't matter what it is. God's supernatural love is there for you. And that's how you can know that God is for you. Now look at verse 36. Because what I love about verse 36 is that Paul doesn't try to diminish that life is hard. Did you see that? He actually quotes from Psalm 44. Because he says, as it is written for your sakes, we are being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And what he's saying there is Christians are going to suffer. And once again, I I even struggle with that word because we have so many brothers and sisters in Christ across this globe that are not wondering today whether they're going to get a job or not, though I don't minimize that. Hear me on that. They're wondering, am I going to have to say I believe in Jesus and know that my family and I are going to die today? And what Paul is just saying is, listen, let's admit to ourselves life's hard. Let's not try to ignore it. Let's not try to give some prosperity gospel that says when I put my faith in Christ that everything is, is living large. It's not the reality. But in under, understanding that God's supernatural love always protects me, it brings me back to this amazing promise that my ultimate safety is found in understanding that my God is sovereign. Ultimate safety is found in God's sovereignty. My God's in control. And I'm a champion in him. And I'm going to read these verses in Romans chapter 8 to remind myself of the facts of my faith when my feelings are causing me to question it. Now look at verse 37. Because the gospel opens up to us an underlying truth that makes all the difference Because up to this point, Paul's just been answering, asking questions. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? But now we get to verses 37 and 39. And look at the way that Paul answers those scenarios that want to cause us to believe that we actually could be separated from the love of Christ. And what does he say? Say it loud. Say it with conviction. What's the first word in verse 37? No! No! 
No is the answer to every single question in verses 35 through 39. No is the answer to every worry, every doubt, every fear, every struggle, every tragedy, every bit of pain that you're facing this morning that wants you to question that you and I can be separated from the love of Christ. No is always the answer. Nothing is gonna separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing is gonna take away your identity and who you are in Jesus Christ. Nothing, you can't lose this belt. God is the greatest. He's defeated everything on your behalf. It's what we said all the way at the beginning of this series. Do you remember this? Remember this phrase? No is the greatest word in Romans chapter eight. We read it this morning. There's no condemnation. And just like there's no condemnation, there's the word and the answer no to that question. What's going to separate you from Christ's supernatural love? And let me give you the third question that I find in that verses 37 through 39 that we need to ask ourselves when the way we feel wants to challenge the facts of who we are. Not just who am I, not just how do I know God is for me, and seeing the way that we answer those on the text that we just read. But here's a third question I need to ask myself. And who am I? Who am I? Who are you? Remember we talked about this in our series that when someone, when someone says, what's your name and what do you do? That so often we want to define ourselves by what we do and rather we need to define ourselves by who I am. And I love what Paul says in verse 37. Look at what he says. He says, no, in all these things, that broad brush that I painted with every scenario, no, in all these things, who are we? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know who you are this morning if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? You are more than a conqueror. Notice he didn't say you're a conqueror. He says, no, 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 no. You're more than a conqueror. And that word conqueror is the, and I don't do this very often, but it's a simple Greek word. It's the Greek word nikeo. It's actually where Nike gets its name from. And you remember Nike's phrase? It was super huge in like my time growing up, the 90s. Do you remember that phrase? Just say it if you remember. What was the phrase Nike had? It still has it, but what was the phrase that was big? Just do it. Remember that? And that word nikeo literally means to conquer. That's what the word means. So the brand obviously, hey, you can do whatever you want, whatever you put your heart's desire to, man, just do it. That was the point of the ad campaign. But what's interesting here is there's a different word mentioned here from the same root word, it's that phrase more than a conqueror. It literally means this, to be completely and overwhelmingly victorious. Like not just to win, but to be completely and overwhelming victorious. It's the only time that phrase or that, that type of word is used in the New Testament. Right here in Romans 8.37. So man, when I want to doubt who I am, I come back and I was like, no, 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 no. And all these things, everything that you 
brought in this morning and all these things, you're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror because of him who loved you. Listen to me. God's love is the narrative of your life. It's what defines your life. Your life is a love story. Your life is about some, of someone loving you so much. A God who is perfect in sending his son Jesus Christ to love you at your worst. That he gave you his best. Like that's your story. That's my story as a follower of Jesus Christ. And God's love is the narrative of my story. Let me never allow any circumstance to steal me of my reality. To rob me of that. And man, there's a lot of things that we're not sure of, is there not? But one thing I can be sure of is that I am more than a conqueror. That is who I am. That is what defines me. Your sufferings don't define you. Your sin does not define you. The love of God defines you. And having that persevering confidence in this love is the overwhelming victory of Romans 8.37. And me understanding, being reminded, keep on learning that reality. That's the point of Romans chapter 8. Because look at what Paul says in verse 38. He says, man, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us, for I am sure of this. Like, I can be sure of this. I can have confidence in this. And there's a lot of things in this world that we can't be sure of, is there not? There's tons. But when I look at this verse, what it tells me to do is, wait a minute, I need to take what I am sure of and allow that to preach to what I'm not sure of. And I'm not going to allow what I'm not sure of to rob me of what God says I can be sure of. And what I can be sure of is that I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Raise your hand if this is you. This isn't a trick question. How many of you have a DVR? Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. It's a great thing, is it not? Like you are got to go to work and you're going to miss a game or come to the 11 o'clock service and your football team's playing at 1 o'clock, no problem. DVR that baby. It's a glorious thing. Watching a show or a movie you don't want to miss, you don't have time to see, you're working late, whatever, what do you do? You record that thing. And you ever found that when you record that game or that show or that movie or whatever it is, like you avoid any social media of any kind. You turn off any notification on your phone of any sports app that you have. Because you don't want it to spoil the result. Because if you see the result, it's going to cause you to watch that game differently. If you see the end of the way that movie ends, it's going to cause you to watch that movie differently or that show differently. And then if your team wins, like, you might even watch it again. But if you watch it again, you watch it again with a totally different perspective, don't you? You're not near as nervous as you were when you watched it the first time. Why? Because I know at the ending, my team already wins. I know at the end of that movie that that girl doesn't get killed. And so I watch it completely different. I watch it with a rest and an ease because I know the ending. And what Romans chapter 8 does in such a beautiful way is it reminds us of the ending. 
It reminds us that we are victorious through Jesus Christ. It reminds us that nothing in this world that we endure is ever going to rob us of our destiny and our identity. It reminds us of the end so that by knowing the end, we live our life in a different way. We live it with a different perspective. We live it with a different hope. We live it with a different peace. Because we understand that I'm more than a conqueror and I'm more than a conqueror because Jesus Christ, my champion, defeated my greatest enemy. He defeated my greatest obstacle and that was my sin and my hell that I deserved and Jesus Christ took it upon himself so that today I don't have to be defined by my circumstances. I'm defined by my identity. I'm more than a conqueror and you're more than a conqueror. Turn over to Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. I think it'd be hard for you to go through this series in Romans chapter 8 and wonder, well, who was the writer of Romans chapter 8? We know it was Paul. If I was to think of someone who was a writer of any book really in the Bible... who suffered and endured as much as anyone could endure outside of Jesus Christ, it would be Paul. He knew what it was like to suffer. He knew what it was like to be stoned. He knew what it was like to be shipwrecked. He knew what it was like to be an inch from death. He had to apply Romans chapter 8. And what I find is interesting is in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13, he starts out verse 11 and he says, For I have learned. And what that just reminds me of is that is what our Christian walk is. It's about us learning more and more every day of who we are and what we've been given in Jesus Christ. And we'll never stop learning until we're with Jesus for all of eternity in heaven. It's being conformed to the image of his son, Romans 8, 29. It's us growing deeper and wider. And just when we thought we've grown to the deepest point, God grows us even deeper in understanding the amazing reality of what we've been given in Jesus Christ. And what that does is what Paul says in Philippians 4. Look at it. He says, man, I've learned this. I didn't always know this. I've had to learn this. Learn what? In whatever situation I am to be content. That word content means not affected by outside circumstances, not affected by my feelings. I'm not going to be swayed to who God is by my worries or my doubts or my fears or my struggles, though I have them, though, I, though they're difficult. No, 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 no. I'm not going to allow those things to define who I am. I have learned this, that in whatever situation I am to be content. Look at how he says it in verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low, And I know what it's like to be at the bottom of the barrel. And I know how to abound. Man, I know when God has me at the mountaintop. In any and every circumstance, there it is again, I've learned. I've learned this. The secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Here's what he's learned. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, Nike has that phrase, just do it. But every one of us ought to be walking around with this reality. Jesus has done it. 
Like, I'm just not Nekeo, a conqueror. Man, I'm more than a conqueror because Jesus did it. And because Jesus did it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we're going to have to learn that more and more and more and more. But there's beauty in that. There's freedom in that. Because here's the freedom in that that Paul's basically saying. He's saying, hey, if, if my life is taken from me, I get to be with Jesus. And if you want to save my life, I'm going to keep on mission for him. And if I'm on the mountaintop, I'm going to praise Jesus. And if everything's taken away from me, I'm going to praise Jesus. And if I don't know where my next meal's coming from, I'm going to praise Jesus. And I have a plethora of abundance, man, I'm going to praise Jesus. Do you see the freedom in that? I am not going to allow my circumstances to shape my perspective of who I am and who my God is. I've learned that. And that's what God is wanting to do in every one of us so that we can experience more strength and more freedom to walk a life that brings God ultimate glory. So what do we say in response to Romans 8? I think the greatest response is simply what's found in God's word. It's verse 37. Like I don't know what could be greater than just as simply saying, man, I'm a champion in Christ and nothing will ever separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus my Lord. That's the end of verse 39. That's the way Paul closes out this chapter so that I can be reminded that God is committed to me now and forever and there's no more uncertainty for you Let's be done with it. There's no more uncertainty for me. I know who I am. And yeah, I'm gonna need to remind myself of that and I'm gonna need to ask myself questions when my feelings are challenging my faith. Wait a minute, let me, let me ask myself, who am I? I mean, I'm a more than a conqueror. How do I know God is for me? God gave me his best. He forgave me of my worst. He's my champion. He has supernatural love for me. Who's for me? God's for me. And I'm going to strap that belt on every single day and remind myself that I am more than a conqueror. I am a champion in Jesus Christ. It's a discipline. we got to learn it. But praise God that when we are learning it, we grow greater and greater in an understanding of what we have in Jesus Christ. It strengthens us. It emboldens us. And it's such an example to others who have yet to place their faith and trust in Christ. Man, I want us to stand this morning. Would you stand with me? And I can't can't think of a greater way than us to hold up the proverbial belt of truth than reading together one more time Romans 8, 35 through 39. And man, let's read it with conviction. Let's read it with excitement. Let's read it with with a certainty of who we are. Would you read it with me? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.